Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast. My name is Freddie Gray. I'm the deputy editor of The Spectator and the editor of its US edition. We thought that 2020 was going to be all about the presidential election, but now it will forever be the year of the pandemic. So instead, Americano is going to look at how COVID-19 is transforming the United States and its politics. There's a lot to talk about, perhaps even more so than before. So please keep tuning in. I'm joined today by Jacob Heilbrunn, who is a Spectator USA contributor and the editor of The National Interest. And we're going to be asking, what's the matter with John Bolton? Now, uh, Jacob, yesterday, uh, the Wall Street Journal published an extract from John Bolton's new book, which was quite a bombshell. Uh, It revealed that President Trump had sort of kowtowed to Xi Jinping in trade negotiations. And various other bits of the book have come out and reveal lots of details that will embarrass and annoy Trump. And indeed, we know now that the Trump administration tried to block the book from being published, which, of course, is great publicity for the book in itself. Why do you think John Bolton has put the dagger into Trump like this? John Bolton has always been a knife fighter inside the Republican Party. You might recall that in 2000, he played a pivotal role in ensuring that George W. Bush became president by acting as his advocate in Florida during the recount. Bolton is a skilled and agile lawyer. I also should say that I've always found him to be remarkably frank and upfront about his own views. When I visited him before the second Gulf War, he was a State Department official and made no secret of his disdain for the idea that you could convert Iraq into a democracy. He has always been extremely forthcoming and explicit about his views. So I believe that when he became Trump's national security advisor, he thought that he would be able to shape the foreign policy to his own ends. And to some degree he did. He managed, he brought us close to the brink of war with Iran. He was outmaneuvered on North Korea, where Trump wanted to reach some kind of accommodation with Kim Jong-un. But Bolton did manage to kill arms control treaties while he was in the Trump administration. He is an old-fashioned unilateralist, not an isolationist. He believes in using and deploying American firepower wherever and whenever he can. And Trump eventually started to recoil from Bolton. And I'm sure that Bolton was taken aback by the Mad Hatter atmosphere in the White House. He is, in fact, a diligent bureaucrat and a Washington veteran. So I believe that his account is veridical, that he is reporting exactly what he saw in the Trump administration. Why he did it? Animus. He is a relentless fighter. And actually, I think it's redounded to his benefit that the book is appearing now rather than him having testified before the Senate because Trump now is weakened. I don't actually believe that Bolton's testimony previously would have swayed the Republican senators doing the impeachment trials. Yes. 
and there was a lot of pressure for him. I mean, a lot of his never Trumpy allies and and friends would have been pressuring him to testify in in the impeachment trial against Trump, uh, and he resisted it. Now, my uh, cynical speculation on that this morning in a blog post was because he was being offered two million dollars by Simon and Schuster for this book, and he wanted to keep his powder dry. And so, for all his sort of talk of you know wanting the national interest at all costs and for projecting American strength, he's a money grabber too. Right. That's the accusation that's being hurled at him actually from both the left and the right. They've united in that criticism. Adam Schiff this morning said, Bolton may be a book author, but he is no patriot. And Trump in his tweets, I don't know if you saw, called him a dope and a sick puppy. And he's been ventilating his anger at Bolton. Perversely enough, Trump might actually enjoy the confrontation with Bolton. It provides him with a respite from his other troubles. Well, Schiff presumably uh, is angry because he felt Bolton could have made impeachment less of a damp squid. Right. I am somewhat skeptical about that because I think that everyone's vote was already decided before the actual hearings and the, the trial began. Perhaps one or two more Republican senators could have been pried off, but even that would have been a steep climb. Remember that when the trial was taking place, the American economy was humming. And after the trial ended, Trump was at that point at the zenith of his power. He started purging the people who had opposed him inside the government and Everything looked all systems go for him. Since then, the collapse has begun. But what, what's quite striking about Bolton is that he was sort of, when, when he was taken on to the National Security Council, he was portrayed as this incredibly dangerous hawk. And of course, he is. He's very bellicose. And as Trump repeatedly said, you know, if, if it was down to John Bolton, we'd be at war with the whole world. But Trump seemed to use him to sort of fit in with his madman diplomacy. So to sort of fit in with the idea that he might be about to do something completely crazy because he had John Bolton in his cabinet. Right. You know, we came very close to war with Iran. It's interesting. There is a, a passage in apparently in Bolton's memoir where he writes about returning home to, to change his clothes because he thought it would be an extremely late evening at the White House. And he was disconsolate when Trump in the final few minutes decided to pull back the American planes because he was told it would kill at least 150 Iranians. And Trump said reasonably enough, that's too disproportionate a response. Bolton would have, as on his foreign policy, the confrontation that he wanted with both Iran and North Korea, the results could have been calamitous. What, what explains this? I mean, beyond this idea that they are the great evil of the region, is there something more profound that explains the deep, deep hostility that Bolton feels towards Iran and this urgent need to create a war that could be very, very dangerous and cause much greater problems in the region? My reckoning, having been a young teenager during the turbulent events of 1979, is that conservatives such as John Bolton, and let's be fair, many Americans felt that 
the overthrow of the Shah and then the rise of a militant Islamic theocracy was a profound humiliation for the United States. The United States had already lost the Vietnam War, exited the embassy in Saigon by helicopters. It had experienced relentless Soviet expansionism as it was perceived in Africa and elsewhere. It looked like this was the final year of the Jimmy Carter presidency. It looked as though America was on the ropes. We had gas lines. We had people saying death to America and Iran. The Vox Populi rebelled. And I think that conservatives have been searching for revenge to efface the stain on the nation that occurred in 1979 when the American embassy in Tehran was occupied and our diplomats were held hostage and humiliated by these militant students. And Iran has been, you know, a standing sore in American foreign policy. Now, I think the conservatives are exagger have exaggerated the Iran problem. It is not at the locus of everything that's wrong in the Middle East. But the idea was, you know, even George W. Bush flinched at actually going to war with Iran. He went after Iraq because he thought it would be an easy target. But Bolton and some of the others, they always had, and Michael Ledeen, for example, who is close to G General Michael Flynn, they always had Iran in their gun sights. And Secretary of State Mike Pompeo does as well. So I think another reason why Bolton was happy to become national security advisor, apart from the importance of the position, was that he felt he had an ally in Pompeo. Well, and it's very interesting that in the book, Bolton sticks the knife in again to Pompeo, perhaps, by saying that Trump had passed him a note that said Pompeo's full of shit. And you wonder, Pompeo and Bolton used to be good friends, as far as I understand, and certainly allies. Why would Bolton say that beyond spite? Perhaps there was a falling out between Pompeo and Bolton because Pompeo obviously stuck by Trump when Trump got rid of John Bolton. Well, Pompeo has proven to be the ultimate survivor. He has installed Mark Esper, helped install him as Secretary of Defense. And the current National Security Advisor, Robert O'Brien, is a cipher when compared with Bolton. He doesn't have the same kind of charisma, if you like, and the, the mission driven. I mean, Bolton has always been a hero on the Republican right for his forthright and strident opinions. So yes, Bolton was sticking the shiv into Pompeo, but I also think there's a practical reason why he would have put it in. It indicates that he, he wasn't a loner, that his views are in fact shared even by Pompeo, that what he's saying isn't outlandish, but in fact, quite common among Trump's senior officials. The person who must be really wondering about all this, of course, is Trump. He has a long list of high-ranking officials who almost unanimously denounce him after they leave office. Well, it's partly about Trump's style or approach to foreign policy in that, you know, he always likes to portray himself as the sort of CEO type figure who hears pitches from the hawks and pitches from the doves. And he comes up with this brilliantly improvisational but genius strategy almost on the hoof. And that obviously 
upsets the people who don't get their way in his administration and causes a lot of rancor. And with a character like Bolton, that rancor comes out. That's quite right. And the thing about Bolton is he does have a fiery temper. I mean, when I interviewed him at AEI about someone, an Iran expert that he disagreed with, you know, he erupted when I mentioned the person's name. So there may be some degree of impulse, lack of impulse control there. But the book looks to be well-crafted, actually. I know it's gotten a lot of negative reviews, but uh, Bolton can be quite incisive. And uh, Trump's mistake was to underestimate him. Yes. Well, the, the cause of his departure seems to have been, or the immediate cause of his departure seems to have been Afghanistan. And essentially that, that was because, as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, Bolton subscribed to the sort of defensive establishment view that we started this war, we can't just quit without having fixed it. We have to make it right in some way. And Trump stuck to his pre-election position, which is there's no point carrying on these endless wars. Yeah, that's one of the actually one of the fascinating things about Bolton entering Trump's orbit. Bolton was too radical for George W. Bush. But in the Trump context, he actually becomes something of an establishmentarian. He doesn't want to leave Afghanistan. And he's horrified when Trump says, let's make history and tell the Europeans we're going to leave NATO if they don't cough up more for their own defense. So Bolton actually was engaging in diplomacy with the Europeans and apparently is a believer in NATO. So that makes him fairly conservative, if you will, in this purlieu of the Trump administration. And where they agreed, obviously, was at the beginning was Iran, because Trump was very bellicose towards Iran, and obviously so was Bolton. But then, as you've already said, that, that fell apart. And then I think the, the, the most interesting thing, perhaps, is China. I mean, what do you understand of the way Bolton thinks about China? He, in, in this chapter that the Wall Street Journal published last night, he said that you know, there, was a clear, there was a clear incentive for America to control China. But it seems to me he was perhaps not as comfortable with how Trump was approaching the trade war as perhaps some of the more China hawkish people in the administration. The interesting thing about Trump is that he talks tough on Iran and on China and on other countries, but he's extremely averse to military action or any real kind of confrontation. In fact, Trump has been fairly judicious about the use of force abroad. So I think Bolton clearly rebelled at that. On China, Trump again thought that simply by engaging a lot of, in a lot of bluster, as he did with North Korea, that he could force them to come to the negotiating table. That did not occur. The Chinese, I think, figured out Trump and had enough of their own resources that they weren't particularly eager to accommodate his desires. Bolton obviously would like a more confrontational approach with China, but he was also rightly horrified by Trump saying to Xi Jinping that it's fine and dandy. You should keep building your concentration camps for the Uyghurs. Well, this is, this is quite an interesting point looking ahead to the election because Biden and Trump already in their advertising, their attack advertising, have tried to portray the other as weak on China. And China is going to be, because of coronavirus, and obviously lots of other reasons, 
China is going to be a major factor in this election. So Bolton has really given Biden uh, a weapon to beat Trump with here. That's right. And interestingly, the Lincoln Project, which is a consortium of never Trumpers, put out an ad immediately yesterday about Trump and China referring to the five trademarks that Ivanka was awarded by Beijing, referring to Trump as choking like a dog, uh, begging Xi Jinping to help him with his reelection. So the message has been totally muddy. Trump's gambit was to depict Biden as being a patsy of, of Beijing. My own view on Trump is starting to re-solidify, if I may. You had, you, Freddie, had sort of thrashed me into uh, repentance, if not submission, on predicting the demise of Trump. But I'm starting to return to my old view that he is headed for a landslide defeat in November. You think landslide? Yes, I think it well well could be. Everyone's talking about how Trump's numbers are, are abysmal right now, that he could improve slightly as the election progresses. But what if Trump continues the decline? What if he thrashes about ever more wildly, like someone who's caught in a whirlpool? There was an interesting article in the New York Times yesterday saying that he's not even doing some of the more basic things that he could to try and win re-election by tacking a little bit to the center. And that his aides are wondering if he enjoys running for the president, but he blanches at the thought of another four years in office. It, it seems to be a very never Trumpy kind of Wall Street Journal type line that perhaps Xi Jinping would be happier with Trump being re-elected than he would be with a Biden presidency. I mean, I think that is naive. I think that, you know, for all the faux bonhomie that Trump will do with Z in a meeting, there's no denying that the Trump administration has been far more tough towards China than the Obama administration was. And Biden will be a restoration of the Obama administration. I think that Biden would be more predictable for the Chinese and they would be able to negotiate more smoothly on trade matters. But on the military aspect of it, I wonder, Freddie, the, the question about Biden is, is he going to try and shore up NATO again? Will it be an attempt to return to the status quo ante? Trump has been pretty indifferent about trying to shore up American alliances abroad. You know, the, the people around Biden in foreign policy are pretty hawkish. So I think that while relations diplomatically could improve, I'm not sure that they would on the military front. And what becomes of John Bolton now? I mean, he's got his he's got two million from the book. He's presumably already pretty well off. Does he go back to being a think tank person, a D.C. establishment foreign policy type? Well, He's he's probably at his high water mark right now. I don't think it'll ever get as good for him as it is now. Maybe he can start his own little think tank or he could, I suppose he could return to the American Enterprise Institute. He had his own uh, political action committee. He was contemplating running for president before. It'll, if Trump loses, it will be open season. But uh, I, don't, I don't think Bolton has the likability factor to to be a successful presidential candidate. No, I think this is as good as it gets for him. 
Well, Jacob, we'll leave it there. But um, thanks very much for joining us again and speak soon. Thank you, Freddie. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Americano. And I'd like to encourage you all to give us your feedback, positive comments or constructive comments only, please, to podcast at spectator.co.uk and say anything you like there as long as it's reasonably polite. 